Welcome to the VoiceMe podcast, information and advice on the world of voiceover, presented by voiceme.co.za, the South African search directory for voice artists and related services. I'm Andrew Sutherland, founder of voiceme.co.za, and in this episode, I'll be going over what you need for a home recording voiceover studio. There's a lot to cover, but I'm going to try keep things as simple as I can. Now, there's no right time in your voiceover career to set up your home studio. You could be a newcomer to the industry or a professional with decades behind you, but whatever your situation, you've probably been thinking that having a home studio will be a benefit to your career. Putting some thought into the type of equipment you'll need is important. So here are some basic essentials that you're going to need. First off, a computer and recording software, your DAW or DAW. This is one of the most expensive requirements, but also hopefully one you already have. Your computer, whether a Mac or PC, desktop or laptop, is going to be crucial to recording. You don't need anything fancy, but make sure it meets the minimum specs for your recording software. Most programs require around 5 to 10 gigabytes of hard drive space, a minimum of 4 to 8 gigabytes of RAM, and at least a 64-bit 2 gigahertz CPU. If you can afford a higher spec machine, go for it. You'll get a lot more years out of it before needing to upgrade. By installing DAW software, your computer can now be used to record, edit, and clean up your voice clips. There are plenty of low-cost options for under $100, at the time of this recording around 1,800 Rand, like Reaper and Studio One, and some with lower monthly subscriptions, such as Adobe Audition, Pro Tools Artist, and Waveform, which is free. Then there's also the Steinberg range of suites, Cubase Pro, Cubase Artist, and Cubase Elements, ranging from around 1,200 Rand for Elements up to about 6,800 Rand for Pro, and their flagship post-production software, Nuendo, which is around 20,000 Rand to start. Most work on both Mac or PC and range from basic and easy to use to much more advanced. But no matter which you choose, play around with it and get used to all the tools that come with each. I'll put links to all of these programs in the show notes. You don't need anything expensive to start. All these programs work in a similar way. So if you learn one of them, you'll get a good grasp of how things function in a door. And when you're ready, you can move on to a fancier door with more advanced functionality. Next up, a microphone. Here you have some options, condenser, dynamic, or USB, and there's pros and cons to each. Now, I'm not going to go into specifics of different brands of mics here because there are just so many to choose from these days, but rather give you some info on each type of mic so that you can make your own decision. For the professional, buying an XLR mic is an easy decision and worth the expense, but a newcomer might consider a cheaper USB mic first. This won't result in the same high-quality sound of an XLR, but it is useful for anyone on the go and can be plugged directly into a computer. A USB mic would also mean skipping the purchase of an audio interface, so it's price versus audio quality. Let's talk USB mics first. They're generally cheaper and will get an okay sound for your voice recording. Although there are many good USB mics out there these days, the ones that are comparable to XLRs are almost as pricey, so you don't really get much cost benefit there. A good pro of a USB 
is that they can be compact and plug right into your computer, so you don't need to purchase an extra audio interface to get your voice recorded into your door. The cons of USB mics are that they just don't sound that good. Most recordings will be thinner or lacking warmth in the recording, and the cheap ones usually have a little noise in the signal as well. I might get some hate for this, but in my opinion, USB mics are fine for an average consumer who needs a slightly better mic than their built-in webcam or laptop has to offer to use in conference calls and the like. But they should only be used in voiceover when you're on the go or have absolutely no other option. XLR condenser microphones are considered best for voiceover, and you'll get a way better natural signal from it. Condenser mics use an electrically charged diaphragm, and when it vibrates, an electrical signal is generated that is proportional to the sound. They are robust and for the most part don't damage easily. A con is that they are usually a bit pricier, and in an untreated room, they may pick up more noise because of those sensitive electric diaphragms. However, they'll last you a long time and have a better overall sound. Dynamic mics can be just as good as condensers. They use a diaphragm, voice coil, and magnet to pick up the sound waves and then convert them into an electrical signal. That said, dynamic mic signals are a lot softer than condenser mics because of this, so if you do decide to go this route, bear in mind that you might need to give that signal an extra boost over and above what your audio interface does. To fix that, Buying an inline mic preamp like a Fethead, Cloudlifter, or the SE Electronics Dynamite will give your mic signal that extra boost you need. A good pro is that dynamic mics pick up less noise overall compared to condensers because they're less sensitive. So if your recording space isn't as treated, this might be the best choice for you initially, even with the extra inline preamp purchase. Another thing to consider is the type of polar pickup pattern your mic has. Polar pattern refers to the microphone's directionality, the three-dimensional space surrounding the mic capsule where it is most sensitive to sound. And there's a bunch of different types. I'll go over a few here that are relevant to voiceover and which to avoid. To avoid, omnidirectional and figure eight. An omnidirectional mic picks up sound in a 360 degree radius. It is equally sensitive to sound at all angles. Imagine this as a perfect sphere in all directions. This is not good for voiceover, as it'll pick up all the noise around you in your room. Figure 8 microphones should also be avoided, as they are bidirectional, which means they pick up sound equally from both the front and the back of the microphone, while rejecting sound from the sides. The name figure 8 comes from the pattern of the microphone's sensitivity, which resembles the number 8. You don't need to record the back of your room, just your voice. You need a mic that just picks up your voice from one direction. And cardioid mics are what you're looking for. A cardioid microphone is a type of directional microphone that is designed to pick up sound primarily from one direction while reducing sound from others. The name cardioid comes from the heart-shaped pattern that the microphone's sensitivity follows. This means that when you speak into it, it will pick up your voice clearly while minimizing background noise and feedback from other sources, which makes it ideal for voice work. A regular cardioid mic will also pick up some sound from the sides, so if you move your head a little during recording or your body moves a little, you won't sound that off mic. 
This is a great all-rounder mic and what most voice artists should be looking for. Then you get supercardioid and hypercardioid microphones. They are also directional, but with an even more focused and narrow pickup pattern, meaning they're even more sensitive to sound from the front. This makes it really useful for recording audio in noisy environments, as it can reject sound from the side and behind the microphone even more. But if you move your head too much off mic, your voice won't be recorded as well. An example of a supercardioid or hypercardioid mic is a shotgun mic. They have a long cylindrical shape that makes them look like a shotgun, hence the name. In my own studio here at Big Mouth, I use regular cardioid mics in my booth. But at home, where my recording space is not as treated and my computer is in the same room as me humming along, I use a shotgun mic. Now, I said I wasn't going to go into specifics of different brands of mics, but I do want to quickly mention a new mic on the market that I think is the perfect balance of everything I just went over. I'm a big fan of Rode mics, and the Rode NT1 5th generation studio condenser microphone features Rode's groundbreaking dual connect output, offering both XLR and USB connectivity for incredible versatility. So it can either be connected to an audio interface or mixer via XLR or directly to a computer via USB for studio grade plug and play recording. It also features a world first 32-bit float digital output, a revolutionary recording format that allows you to record everything from a whisper to a scream without having to worry about setting your gain. Simply adjust your audio after recording and all the dynamics of your performance will be maintained with zero risk of clipping or distortion. This is an absolute game changer. It also comes with a studio grade shock mount and a pop filter as well as high-grade XLR and USB cables. I'll put a link in the show notes for this mic as well. Now, whichever mic you've chosen, unless it's a USB, you'll need an audio interface. The interface connects your mic to the computer and allows you to adjust input level or gain, as well as the audio output. Most interfaces allow for speakers as well as headphones to be plugged in simultaneously, which means you can properly monitor what you record on headphones and listen back on speakers when editing. The interface itself usually connects with a USB cable, but some also use Firewire. They vary in size and price, but for a basic home setup, you really only need something small with one mic input, unless of course you plan on recording multiple people at once. Then, headphones and speakers. Proper, comfortable, closed-back wired headphones. Something that you can happily wear for hours, because that's how long you're going to be wearing them. You could use Bluetooth headphones, but that often means bypassing your audio interface to connect them, and what you really want is to monitor the sound directly from the interface itself. So what you hear is what you're recording. Bluetooth can also cause some delays between your software and your headphones, which makes editing a little trickier. Personally, I much prefer editing on my studio speakers than on headphones, but when I'm recording, I want to hear exactly what the mic is picking up, so I know if there's any unwanted noises creeping in. Then, a pop shield. The pop shield will be attached to the front of your microphone to reduce popping noises like what you may have heard when listening to recordings done on a phone. 
It won't be able to mask the sounds of car hooters and cupboards banging or reduce any external noises, but it will stop those unwanted P sounds from messing up your recording and causing you some editing nightmares. Some microphones even come with one as part of a pack, but if they don't, you can buy one separately and they're not too expensive. Then, most important of all, a good recording environment. More important than all the gear and electronics you have is where you're doing the recording. Find a place in your home that is quiet. Be aware of any external sounds, but also of the sound of your voice in the room. You don't want your recording sounding roomy or echoey any more than you want the sound of birds and your neighbor's dogs barking in the background of your recordings. If you spend any money on soundproofing, spend it on isolating your space from external noise first. That's going to be a bigger problem initially than any internal noise of the room. And don't forget about the noise coming through your ceiling either. It's not just windows and doors that let it in. Dampening the room on the inside to prevent that roominess in your recording can easily be done without needing expensive acoustic foam panels, simply by hanging blankets or any kind of heavy materials around the recording space. During lockdown in 2020, I used thick winter sleeping bags, which conveniently zipped together, and hung them off hooks on my walls. My home office sounded almost identical to my main studio booth, and my clients didn't even notice any difference. I now do have some foam panels, simply because they look better, but for a long time, just the sleeping bags on the hooks were more than enough. To close off and summarize, as with any business, it's best to start small with the basics before investing heavily in it. Get the essentials, and once you have regular income, you can gradually upgrade as needed. There are plenty of artists buying their first sets of gear that you can sell to when you upgrade, and vice versa. That brings us to the end of this episode. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to me and my support team on support at voiceme.co.za. Leave a comment here or give me a call on 0861 VoiceMe. That's 0861 864 2363 if you're in South Africa. And to sign up for a VoiceMe profile, register from the homepage at voiceme.co.za. I strongly believe a constructive social environment for our users, whether they be artists, clients, producers, or talent agents, is highly beneficial for our industry. Like, follow, and engage with VoiceMe and each other on at VoiceMeSA on all social networks. If you liked this episode, please like, subscribe, turn on automatic downloads, or click the bell icon to get notified so you don't miss our next one. I'm Andrew Sutherland, and that's it from me here at VoiceMe for this week. Cheers for now.